It's Friday. Welcome to The Journey. We are live, as always, here on Facebook, YouTube. Also, you can catch past episodes on Spotify, uh, Podomatic, and pretty much all podcasting platforms. Just look for Grace and Truth, John Brown, and you will find those episodes there. Maybe you would just like to run on a treadmill and listen to an episode or take in what was brought last week. Feel free to do that. Uh, we have that open for you. And as always, remember to share the broadcast, guys. Remember to yes. um, help us get the word out of what's what's unfolding here, what's coming to light. Um, people's hearts. Last week was so special just to um, encounter uh, Shakira and her heart for the Lord and just to her transparency yeah. And, yeah. and openness was ridiculously awesome and refreshing. And We were incredibly blessed, weren't we? Yeah. No, it was it – was, just the whole thing went flawless like i found myself going back and even listening to it and it's that whole <laughs> thing of uh the wine is in the cluster come on you know and it was just so good to uh she brings a whole other perspective uh from the lord on things and so always new revelations and it was so good you know and it was like almost like building um building a platform it was really cool because she would share something then you would say something then i would get something and, kind of and it was like this this thing was being built that was not in our control it was really neat yeah to the point where i got fried sometimes even you got fried sometimes yeah it was really good <laughs> yeah no it was <laughs> like because she just had this new way of looking at things yeah and i loved when she talked about like the frequencies mixing together and yeah creating a sound yeah like because if it's just me, I only have one tone. But if it's me and you, we have two. And if there's three, then there's three tones. And yeah, yeah. You know, like where does where does it end? You know. And I think that that's why. Hey. And then we have the great me, um, <laughs> the great <laughs> musician, right? Come on, and who's orchestrating all these things? And we don't even really at this point understand no what those actually th they do right well when when we were just talking about that even right now i started mm. to think back to highlands yeah when you yeah. would be like hey you know if you feel something just keep going and you would almost be like a conductor of the worship band well that's funny thing eh? because <clears throat> prophet is the message yes <laughs> and the years ago the Lord said, or, or I had it prophesied over me about two or three times <laughs> by guys that, you know, weren't just, you know, run of the mill. Like They weren't uh, no prophetic slouch. No, like Mark <laughs> DuPont and other individuals. Anyways, they said to me, um, are you a worship leader? And I had really long hair at the time, um, and it was brown. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> as we are working towards this once again, um and they said to me, are, are you a worship leader? And I said, no. And they said, are you sure? Like, do you, do you, what instrument do you play? <laughs> and I said, well, I love music and I play a mean stereo, man. <laughs> right? And they well, just yeah. like, yeah. They just <laughs> look at me, what? I said, it's the long hair, man. Thinking they missed it, right? Yeah. But by the third one, I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of weird. So I didn't think any more about it. 
this shelf because it's weird, right? Yeah. It's like somebody telling me I'm going to be a ballerina or something, you know? It's yeah. Like, nah, I don't think it's so. It's completely outside of your grid of understanding. I'm not even looking at it. So then uh, when we were at uh, oh, Kingler School in our journey, Highlands, um, one Sunday. How many years are we in? Uh, 21 or 20. We started in 2000, so we're 21 years in. Whoa. Yeah. Just old enough to drink. Just old enough to drink. <laughs> <laughs> we started early. Woo. A few yeah. years ago now. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I'm at King Lear, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh, the guy knew how to follow the Lord and things, but I didn't really think much about it. But I started, I picked up this jambe and started hitting it. And the glory just started coming in. Come on. And so I thought next week, gee, maybe I should just be sensitive. And and I started moving in different things. Sometimes I'd sing something out or I'd do this. And it was really, really doing something, like opening things up. And I didn't think about it. Um, I just thought, well, that's really cool. And we were kind of getting wasted anyway, so, you know. Everybody and was having a good glory, time. In the glory, yeah. And then um, the Lord started to teach me learning to fly, teaching people basically using worship, but how to sense where the Holy Spirit is, which is what you were talking about, and flow with Him. And if He's not going right, don't go right, you yeah. know? And I could go into a whole thing on that, and we'll do it some other day, but, yeah, no, but you know what I mean, right? We really need to to bring that... And kind of break that open. In a way, like even if we do a worship school or something, yeah. to show people that um, one of my favorite moments as an intern mm. was the one Sunday where you said to me, said, Corey, why would we even start if we're not aware of him? Yeah. That's like trying to kiss your wife if she ain't in the room. That's right. It doesn't make any point. We're, we're, we're kissing her to try to get her to come. It's like, what? Something's <laughs> wrong here. Yeah. Anyway, I, in the midst of that one Sunday, I realized <laughs> I am. Come on. I, at that point, I was leading worship, but I didn't know that it wasn't with an instrument. But it was following the Holy Spirit, and I would sense almost like the direction of the wind, and I'd put the sail towards the wind, and we would take off in this sailboat. And, man, we had some good times, didn't we? Well, and I I remember even times where I wasn't feeling it, and you'd be like, hey, just keep playing that, just keep playing that. And I'm Mm. thinking, like, oh, man, this guy's crazy. (laughs) And all of a sudden, we're wrecked, and I'm like, okay. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can do that. It it really came to, it's all about Jesus, his presence, Mm. and the Holy Spirit unpacking that for us. And it was taking us, what I used to say, I'm a dadaholic, and I don't want any help. Well, and it's like, if the things that we say, we mm-hmm. actually believe, and if the presence is the person of Christ, right? why wouldn't we follow it? See, and that's a big moment, I think, Corey, because a lot of people think that mm. the presence is something separate, like a power, an anointing, a mantle, but they don't realize it's the person, omnipresent God, the person yep. of Christ. And once you uh, honor him as mm. that, so I'm not just looking for a buzz, I'm not looking for whatever, but I'm looking, I'm, I'm believing in him, and his presence comes, and it's him, and intimacy begins Ooh. to open up, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's where you go. And so 
once I understood that in a greater way, that was it, man. It was like, I'm, if I if there's anything worth giving my life to, come on, it's entering the bedchamber of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's called intimacy. Song of Solomon, Esther, entering into the king's chamber. It's like, that's what we're called to do. And um, it's not enough to be a servant. That's part of it. But it's about the kiss. It's about intimacy. It's about you can know God because he knows you and believes in you. Mm. I was talking to um, Matt, actually. (laughs) I Mm. think it was yesterday. Mm. And I said, one of the craziest things about walking with you is you actually wouldn't wouldn't care if he didn't do anything ever again. You would still it would still be the same for you. Yeah. And it's like sometimes like just being honest, I'm not there. I'm well, still selfish. I'm still looking for the acts of God. I know. And and, and they I do. was like that. I was totally like that too. No, I'm just like I'm just being real with where I'm at because mm-hmm. I don't I think a lot of us Because there's great need. Yeah. Well and, I and understand. There's, there's even need in me to to see those things that he said he would do mm. and all these things. Mm. And then I, then I like meet you, and you're just like, I just want to be with God, and I'm like, oh, that's nice, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh no, he just really wants to be mm-hmm. with God. <laughs> like, I, I remember the <laughs> the day that I said to him, and I said this. He knows you can't pull the wool over his eyes. Yeah, right. So he knew I was honest. I was being honest as I could. And again, to be fair, this is. He's the one that started this out in the liquid love. Mm. It's all his fault, right? If you think about it, if there's yeah, a reason yeah. why I'm the way I am. Oh, he ruined you for yes. regular life yes. from the car accident. Yes. And so so there I was. I said, God, you know what? And I mean, I was Mr. Evangelist, right, as, as a young Christian. And so I said, Lord, you know what? If you don't heal another person or lead another person to yourself through me, but I can have you. Come on. I take you. Now he knew I was honest. Yeah, yeah, no. It's... I didn't care about power. I wanted to be close to him and know him like Moses, the friend of God, no riddles, face to face. Yeah. And not because I think that I'm special. I think everyone is supposed to be there. That's the high calling. That's, that's the, the high son. calling, yes. To as be a, a son. son. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think we're seeing a stage where things seem to be drying up. It seems like the well is running out of water. And it's because mm. the father's saying, well, no longer will I let the well sustain you. You have to come find me. Yes. He's saying, like, I don't care what move you are part of. I don't care what mm. denomination you're a part of. If you don't know me, it ain't going to work. No, and, and I think that, you know, I, I also realized that God can do more in a day than I can do in my whole life. It's and true. we see that when he moves sovereignly at times. And so mm. I'd been, you know, in all kinds of things with healings and salvations and deliverance and all those things. But it wasn't enough for me. Yeah. I, he kissed me and ruined me. So now it was <laughs> like, God, you know, this is what I want. And um, I realized that you will do what you want to do because you wrote the scroll. And, and it's about you. Like when we share our testimonies. Yeah, I know. It's not ours. No, it's his story. It's his testimony. He's the one that did it. He's the one. Or we'd still be doing what we were doing before, groveling in the dirt, in carnality. Unaware. Unaware. The only reason I'm aware 
is he made me aware. He he woke me from under the apple tree. That's so good, isn't it? Yeah. That just blew me away. Yeah. When I read that. Scott had written, um, presence without person is not enough to sustain us. But the crazy thing is, mm. is you can't separate the two. No. Once you realize, and, and, and I say once you awaken or realize because you don't know it's Jesus at first. No, because I'll... you've been taught about anointing, <clears throat> gifting, and all these things that will operate. But once you go f closer to him, you realize yeah. that it's actually him. Like one time I was in the, in the front of the church during worship, and I went into a vision, and I seen Jesus standing there, and he was, he was kind of hmm. holding out his uh, robe, yeah. and he's looking at it. And then he looked at me, and he said, uh, is it something I'm wearing? And I'm thinking, it seemed funny when he said it, and I was trying to figure out, what the heck is he talking about? And then I realized it. They only want my anointing. They don't want me. As soon as his presence or the power comes into a room, everybody defaults. They run to do ministry. They run with it to do things for God, not knowing that it was all about him. Mm. And there he is saying, John, is it something I'm wearing? Is it, is it my presence, the anointing they want? Do they not want to know me, my heart, who I really am? And, and I, it just broke me. I just realized, man. Is that what it's all about? And maybe that was one of the turning points for me. I don't know. I've never thought of it. When we see it in Scripture, even, when God comes, Jesus comes to them in a different mm. form, mm. and it takes them a while till yeah. all of a sudden they go, didn't our hearts burn mm -hmm. within us? And they did not recognize him yeah. because he came in a way they could not understand. And he did it on purpose yeah. so that they would learn to not look for the physical but look for the burning of the heart. Right. He was teaching them, and, even and, after. And the deeper we go, that revelation you're talking about, we get past the man. Yes, come on. To God. Because God is, is the father of spirits. Yeah. He'll reveal himself the way he wants to, but the reality is um, he is not in our image. No, not at all. We're in his. So... He can be with me, with you, and he's mm. he's speaking intimately to some person in Japan and Russia and Czechoslovakia <laughs> and everywhere the same else. Time, yeah. yeah, and so um, if I need him to show up as Jesus of Nazareth to walk in a room, then I'm still a child. Yes, he can do that, but if that's my only grid work, then I've missed it. When I can recognize Jesus or Abba Daddy in a 10-year-old child like I didn't talked about yeah, yeah, just a few or in ago. you when you're speaking if I can see Jesus mm. then I'm maturing now because Christ is in me Christ is in you and He's we're in one all things yes it says that even creation yeah is proclaiming and that's why a lot of the times now when I'm hanging out um, just talking to someone I pay a lot of attention to nature Mm. Um, me and Dan were chilling in the backyard, I think last Sunday, uh, just in the afternoon. <coughs> yep. And as we talked, a great stillness came, like just still. Yeah, yeah. And then I, love I said, that. and then I said to him, I said, but as we talk, mm -hmm. 
I feel like the winds are going to pick up because I feel like there's activity going on. All of a sudden, instantly, the backyard starts, like, reacting. Like, it was crazy. The angelic started moving. and Yeah, and, and I started to talk to him about, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is, there's more than we think. Yeah. There's more on so many levels. And then not just a physical, that's a cool physical manifestation. Oh, hey, who like, wouldn't want Jesus to walk in and sit in the chair and we can go out for a burger? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or fish. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, probably fish. No. Yeah, he'd probably have a BLT just to make people uncomfortable. Probably. <laughs> um, but, but, I want to be aware. I want to be aware. Like mm. David, he said, the, when the wind was blowing in the mulberry bushes, he knew he was there. That's wild. Father was there. You know, and he was melted in that. That's where we want to go so that I become like Brother Lawrence, where I'm aware that I live and move and have my being in him. Mm. And he can walk up to me any way he wants at any time. And if I'm aware, I'll know and see. Yeah, come on. That's where we're going, right? That's That's got to be the end point, because if you can only see Christ through one grid, you'll only be able to understand religion. That's it. And then what use are you then? You know, and and, and that's that's the sad thing. I remember the, mm-hmm. the Lord spoke to me one day, mm-hmm. and uh, I was mm-hmm. I was just kind of beating up on myself a little bit because yeah. I'm a little rough around the edges a lot of the time. You look pretty smooth to me. <laughs> <laughs> pretty round. Yeah. A little round around the edges. <laughs> but um, no, I was just I was just around a lot of people who have a certain type of culture. and Yeah. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, "Yeah, but if you lose your language, how do you speak to the people where you came from?" Yeah. And I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "So many are useless to their own. We become Christians, and we become this idea of what we think a Christian is, and we lose. We have a Christian lingo, right? We lose the salt that yes. that was given to us from birth, that was preordained before the foundations of the world, that all would come to mm. know Him." That part of him that's in us, and we trade it for what? I know. An image that we can't even uphold. And you got people hiding. You got people at home hiding liquor in the cabinets because they're afraid of someone (laughs) finding out. Like, I I had friends who went to like recording studios where the guys like, don't tell anyone I had a drink. I'd be fired. Like, it's it's just nuts. It's like, Uh, be who you are, be real, be transparent. Christ loves you right where you're at. I'm not endorsing yes. or non-endorsing no. anything. I'm just saying be you and trust that he loves you and walk with him. Like As we walk in the light, we become like him. Yeah. And like, all the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Come or on. not new, but old new. Yeah. <laughs> new to sense? us. New to us. New to our consciousness. Because we've been napping. For a long time, yeah, our whole lives, yes. as we've been finding out, mm. <laughs> it's so wild to to think like, you know, like it's like, okay, share your story, and I'm like, okay, like what part of it, God, you know, and and normally I I now kind of gravitate to the second half, but it's like there's still so it's so crazy from where I come from, like, mm-hmm. um, so like. Um, for me, I'm excited <laughs> about this. You're excited. Corey Mullen's going to share his testimony, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the the testimony of Christ, yeah, in your life. Well, and that's that's which the key, is right? the spirit of prophecy. Come on, it prophesies that Jesus yeah. is alive because He's had His fingerprints all over you, and you're basically going to unveil 
the touching of the Father in your life, his fingerprints, which reveals that he's alive. Do you see that? That's wild. That's what that means, is, is we are a walking revelation that God is not in the grave, <laughs> and he's not 400 million miles to the right of the Milky Way, but he's right here. Right now, in the studio. 400 million miles. Uh, light years away. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. So, like, um, yeah. from what I remember, <laughs> yes, you know, I kick in probably somewhere around mm. two or three. That's when I can start having memories. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were church memories because around three, I think we were um, in Mississauga area. We are part of a Word of Faith church. So I remember, like... Church was a huge part of our lives. So, like, it was like, um, how did it go? It was, Monday was Raymond Rangers, which was like scouts for Christians. <laughs> then you had mm-hmm. Wednesday night service. Thursday night was worship practice I didn't normally go to because my stepdad went alone. Um, then Friday night youth. And then Sunday morning and night. So we're talking four or five services a week. My mom was the the like head of the children's ministry, or didn't start out that way, but eventually became it. Yep. Um, my stepdad was on worship, head usher, all that stuff. Um, but at home, very disconnected from us. Like there was no, there was like for me, anyways, there was not a lot of connection. I don't want to get into my mom's relationship; that's her own business. Yeah, yeah. But for me, there wasn't a lot of connection, so I didn't. It, it was like having no dad, right? My dad was an alcoholic. Sure. My dad was uh, living a lifestyle that my mom couldn't handle anymore. They got split up. So when you said at first there about um, when you were talking about your dad, my that first... was your actual dad. Yeah, yeah. My, okay. So I have a stepfather and a father. When right. I was three, I think two and a half, three, my mom got remarried. Oh, okay. So, um, so I would only see my dad probably about once or twice a year. Depending, because my dad was kind of kind of crazy and erratic, and doing his own thing. Yeah, he was nuts. He showed up with a different car every time, with a two four of Bud, and you know, like just all lucky loggers sometimes. You yeah, know, yeah. whatever he could get his hands <laughs> on. You know, like I remember one time when I was a kid, he like had somebody's Suzuki sidekick with no exhaust, it had straight <laughs> headers. We're driving through Lambeth, and he's holding the clutch down so the cops don't hear him. Right, like. Crazy. So, yeah, my dad was kind of crazy. My mom had really, like, had a heart after God, and and it seemed like my stepdad did, but it was a very double life that we encountered. Um, Lots of yelling and screaming and isolation. You know, everything stay in your room, you stay in your room. Like, it was was really complicated and hard to understand as a kid who um, I struggled huge with, like, ADHD. Uh, they they wanted to put me on everything known to man because mm-hmm. I couldn't sit still to hold my life, and uh, <laughs> but I was in this church culture, like immersed. Like church was life. Like even to this day. Well, when you go to church that many times in a week, yeah, it is life, right? Well, and and even to this day, like mm. I have friends coming over Saturday who were my friends then. Oh, really? Yeah, like they're oh yeah, yeah. To the city. yeah, that's right. And we grew up together, and we were family, and. They didn't always know what was going on, but as the years passed on, they started to see the the other Followed. side of stuff. And yeah. So I remember it's really important because I remember key things. Mm. I remember when I was um, seven years old or six, six or seven, I was in an Ed Dufresne meeting. 
and he was like a prophet back yeah. then. Yeah. And he was, you're talking 500 people packed out five nights straight meetings. <laughs> and he goes, does anyone feel called to full-time ministry? And I just got up and out like of my seven? chair. I was seven years old and I walked to the front and he gave me this word about young people and God's going to use you to reach them and all this stuff. And I just remember going back to my seat and the next morning waking up going, okay, how do I do it? <laughs> and nobody told me that this was something that was going to take time. Yeah. And so then about a week later, I remember I did something. I was always doing something, mm. but uh, <laughs> I screwed up, stole something or did something. And my stepdad grabbed me by the arms and he said, you have a call of God on your life and you have to be better than this. And something in me just broke. It was like I had failed God. Mm. And so then you add that same year at seven, I was at my dad's house and he was having a freak out probably on drugs or something. I don't know. He was just yeah. mad and angry and freaking out. I did something or, <laughs> and I remember going, it was really weird. It was almost like autopilot. I remember going to the washroom and under the washroom sink, there was a pile of pornography. And I just remember grabbing like two or three of them and hiding behind the furnace for like hours, just looking at this stuff. And that was the same year that all that came into my life. Mm. It was like like an escape, like the same time frame. Like you're, you're going to be chosen of God, yeah. And now you're going to struggle with this. <laughs> you know, like, well, you were looking for an escape from the pain. Yeah, because my dad was like going nuts, right? Yeah. And like I only spent a little bit of time with him, and and a lot of the things I remember when he moved here, I got to ask him questions. And like, I could see just the pain in his eyes when I would ask him something he couldn't remember because he was high. Yeah. And he was like, I don't even remember doing that. You know, and for me, it was so devastating. Yeah. But he just was in a lifestyle, you know, and like my stepmom was amazing. She did like as much as she could to level him out. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, Bruce, calm down. Yeah. You know, like, you know, but it was what it was like. There was times where people would be over till one, two in the morning, drinking, partying. You know, I'm sitting at the table at like midnight, sleepwalking through the house. You know, mm. like it was just, it was crazy, right? But I was in and out, so I'm, I'm in both cultures, right? Yeah. And then I even found out, and that, that had to be really confusing. Oh, completely. Two worlds. Yeah, like my dad's like, screw this church crap. You know, like, yeah. if, like I remember um, probably around the exact same time, <laughs> we were sitting on a balcony overlooking the parking garage at white oaks mall because he lived in those apartments right by the mall there in london yeah oh and yeah like literally overlooking the driving parking thing yeah yeah and uh he literally just took a cigarette and burnt my arm and i was like like started crying and he's like life's not fair man and i like i had no clue what he was trying to say and like i think in his head he was teaching me something maybe, <laughs> or he was just stoned out of his mind mm. or drunk or, you know, and that was the thing was when I was with my dad, it was like every morning we walked to the beer store. He started from the moment he woke up till the moment he went to bed every day. You're like, I remember being a kid running inside, grabbing a water bottle out of the freezer, taking a gulp and almost fall into the floor because it was vodka. vodka. It wasn't water. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> you know, mm. I should have realized it wasn't frozen. Yeah. But, mm. uh, you know, you're a little kid. Mm. You don't know. And so, like, all these things, I watched my dad be, like, crazy angry and use intimidation and all this stuff. But yet, then at home, I'm submerged in church culture, right? So it's, it's very wow. messed up. And then my mom eventually told me that even one time when I was even younger, 
she left me with my dad and um i guess he had left me with some lady and when my mom got back she went to change my diaper and i started saying bad lady bad lady and my mom thinks that something might have happened, happened and like my dad didn't even like no he just left me with some random person you know so even from a young age there wasn't a lot of other than my mom there was no safety stability no stability yeah, like my mom her. was amazing like people don't even she was the rock beyond like she did more like i remember her wearing the same white pair of byway running shoes for a year working cleaning people's houses to put braces on my teeth like wow. to make sure i had guitars to play and like she sacrificed everything for us like there was never a moment where she put herself first like wow. she never like she and, was a mom yeah and like she knew what she was doing like she was like the minute you were born my life ended like yeah. <laughs> you know and it's been it's been challenging for me to live up to that you know like because it's mm -hmm. like wow she's a great mom so i'm in this church culture yeah. now i've got a call of god on my life i've got a, a problem with pornography at seven start being um sexually like curious at seven eight nine by the time I'm 10, I've lost my virginity, which was just crazy. My brother caught me with a girl in my room. That same year, I had a vision of, of what I thought was as hell. And um, what I saw was my dad was trapped in this place crying out for help, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, this doesn't have to happen. Hmm. And what I didn't realize in the moment, I thought it was a call to evangelism. Yeah. But what I realized was he was saying, this isn't, this isn't what it is. Right. This isn't what I'm going to do to your dad. This isn't who I am. No. I didn't know that then, but now I do. Like, no, I've do. been working through this just recently with him. Wow. Where he's been showing me, like, that wasn't what I was showing you. And Again, a lot of, it's our, our perception, isn't it? Well, it's picture language. And you were trained in a, a belief system. Yeah. And so you're going to perceive everything through that belief system. I often wonder if the pictures aren't me. It's like he speaks and then I create the picture to almost see what he's saying. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I said red cup, you would have an image in your mind. I think it's the same way with God. When he speaks to us, we create the images. Right. But he, based he on speaks our grid. in a picture language. Yeah, yeah. But then you're right. We shape it. Shape it. To our own It uh, goes perception. through the filter, right? Yeah. And then some of it's taught as theology. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and for me, it was just like, okay, I don't want my dad to go to hell. I don't want anyone yeah. to go to hell. So, like, you're talking by the time I was probably, I think I started cutting when I was nine. That's when oh, I, I remember my stepdad was yelling at me, freaking out about something. And I went in my room, and I had this feeling like looking the the, the tackle box. I didn't know this was demonic till years later when me right. and you were talking, Yeah, um, that I hear voices and stuff. And uh, I looked in the box, and there was this rusty square scraper razor. And I just, like, started – every cut, it was like it hurt, but I was in control of how bad it hurt and how long it lasted. And so something in me was like, you know what? I'm in control. Is that what it's about, do you think? For control? me, it was. It was being in control of the pain. And I did Because this you weren't in control of the pain that was coming from, from your, my dad, your dad and your stepfather. My stepdad, the situations relations. I was in, rejection, right. all that stuff. I never was in control. Right. So that, that was pretty wild. I remember the first time um, it got really out of control, and, and I pretty much turned my one arm into hamburger meat. And then afterwards, I realized, like... What am I going to do? 
like everyone's going to see this. <laughs> and so I wore a long sleeve button up to school, <laughs> you know, and I was playing and all of a sudden like a kid like saw blood coming through the shirt, right? Because I had opened a bunch of them up playing and then the teacher like pulled it up and this just. Oh, man. So then they send me um, to like a specialist. Right. And the guy's just like, yeah, I, I can't do anything here. This kid's telling me what I'm going to ask him before I even ask him because the prophetic was operating without me knowing. Mm. Like I could see these social workers, I could see these people and I used them. It was bad. <laughs> like, like it was really mm -hmm. bad. <laughs> and like, um, it was crazy because I remember being in a meeting and, uh, someone talked about, I think it was John G. Lake seeing like almost movies over top of somebody's head, like yeah. pictures. Yeah. And I remember being like seven or eight and just saying, I want that. And then all of a sudden, boom, it happened. And it was like, it's never been as strong as it was when I was a kid. And I don't know why that is, but it's just the way it is. I'm a friend of mine, uh, Bob Edwards, that's the way it is for him. He said, it's like <clears throat> he walks up in front of somebody and to the right of their head, there's a TV screen, like a TV playing. Yeah. And he sees it all on the TV. Yeah, I see a lot of pictures. Isn't that crazy though, right? That's what was going on back there. Yeah, and so that lasted up until about 12. Okay. Um, and then that kind of ended when I went to high school, which I think was like protection because I was pretty messed up by that point. Like by the time I was 12, I truly believed I had failed God. I didn't do what he called me to do because mm -hmm. nobody told me I wasn't supposed to do it that moment. Yeah. And I was trying. Like I was literally trying. Like I take my Bible sometimes to school. I would try and then I would fail and then I would just go smash some kid's head in because I'm angry, right? Yeah, like I was yeah, just, yeah. it was a vicious battle. It was a tornado. Like you well, couldn't again, even. Well, again, let's look at it. You, you got two worlds operating as you're growing up. Opposites. Total opposites. And you're trying to get footing in either one. And I'm trying to, to cling <laughs> to this guy who at church everybody loves and like, right. and, and he had a, like, like just, Completely looking from the outside, yeah. and you have to understand. There's no judgment towards towards him. No. Love him. You know he he went through a loss. Everybody's this week. God got bless a, him. Like, everybody's got journey. Yeah, and and he's found God. He's found the grace message like so good. But wow. you know, it's just like for me, it was like I would try to connect, and I just couldn't. Now there's other things that that had happened in the background I didn't know about till I find out years later, mm. where my mom was kind of like didn't know how to handle having a new husband with somebody else's kids and oh yeah you know like there's a lot all of those stuff. ramifications right yeah where to me i'm just like why don't you like me yeah exactly you know yeah so and he worked hard man like the guy worked like overtime every time he could like if anything he never not provided for us there was always a roof over my head there was always food. well all of a sudden you had a wife and two sons yeah, and, in a package, and then then you're told you're a new creation. Slap on the butt. There you go. <laughs> you know, and if you're having marital problems, just read the Bible. It'll help. It'll you. help you. <laughs> you know, <Yes>. like, <laughs> can someone explain this? <laughs> you know, so no judgment whatsoever. No. But by the time I was twelve, completely convinced, I completely failed, and then um, my I finally I went to this camp. Um, it was in Coburg. It was a Pentecostal Bible camp. And there was this worship uh, worship leader, Joe Bavacqua or something like that. Mm. And we just connected. He let me play guitar, and I ended up writing a song that week, and he let me go up and sing it. And wow. I just felt so connected to this guy. And then I found out he was living in my hometown. He had a youth group. 
And so then I started going and God's moving and it's awesome. And three weeks in, my mom comes up and says, um, you're moving to Windsor. And, uh, you know, your stepdad and me have decided we're not going to tell anyone. We don't, we're just going to go. So you're going to go first and we'll come later. Oh, wow. So like, I'm devastated because it's like I finally found what I was looking for. And now it's being a foundation, ripped. right? Yeah, and it, it was weird because I was always drawn and had favor with like, like, um, just like dad figures. Like I remember the Ramus singers and band came; uh, they were like Kenneth Hagen's like quartet, oh, and like man. the piano player took me on the bus, showed me like the tour bus, like spent time speaking into me. Like I remember watching him and being like, "I'm gonna do that one day." You know, like different times like that. I remember when I was a little, little kid at my grandparents' church, there was a guy named Mr. Marty who would come into the kids' toddlers and stuff and play guitar and sing with them. I remember being like, I'm going to do that. Like, so I had this draw to this father figure. Yeah. But it was like every time I got close to touch it, it was ripped out of my hands. And so, like, it was so bad that one time at Raymond Rangers, this commander from the U.S. came, mm. a leader, and uh, he looked like maybe two percent like my dad and i wept for day like all night cried all night my stepdad was freaking out like what the hell's wrong with you and i'm like because i'm just like want a dad so bad like yeah people don't understand like it was like it was bad like yeah i hurt for it like i would see other kids get my stepdad's attention he was so great it's so fun and so blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the heck? But like, he's not like this when we go home. No, and and, and I wasn't an easy kid. You're no. talking ADHD. No. I would like. And he's struggling to get his footing in the whole deal, right? Yeah, and like for me to get his attention, I was like, oh, well, he gives me attention when I'm bad. Mm. So I'll steal your hockey cards, take them to school and give them away. And I'll, <laughs> you know. You know, you know, no, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it was it was not easy to be my my yeah. parents by any means. Like I was the kid who was like, hey, I wonder what this lighter fluid does. You know, oh like. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like it was bad. <laughs> Plus, I was like just completely messed up, right? And no one yeah. to talk to, no one to tell anything about. Um, same thing when I was 10, a, a friend of mine got me into like homosexuality and stuff like that. So that was right. also into that. And I didn't know what to do with that other than like, I don't want to lose my best friend. So here we go. You know, like I'm already screwed up, might as well. Yeah. So it was like all this stuff. And, and, and for me, like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a homosexual. So it's, it's, it wasn't natural for me. Right. You know, it's no, I'm not bashing anyone. No. It just wasn't natural. It wasn't me. Right. You know, and so, um, yeah, so, like, I come out of all this distortion, all this mm. stuff. I'm 12. I get moved to Windsor, and within two weeks, I'm the worship leader at a youth group. Two weeks. I've only been there two weeks. I went from the first week I came early, and there was a bass, and they were just jamming, and I said, hey, do you mind if I jam with you? And, like, I played by ear, so I played along. The next week, the guy was like, hey, do you play a little guitar? And I did, and then he went on tour with his band. So he's like, hey, you're the worship leader. <laughs> you know? Wow. And I'm just like, what? There's 500 kids in the youth group. And I know, like, three chords, you know? like. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very confusing, you know? And my first night at youth, my best friend, AJ, just comes up to me, this kid. It was so weird. I'd never met anybody like him. He just literally walked right up to me, and he goes, hey, you want to come sleep at my house? And I was just like, Okay. And so then we went back to his place, and it was, like, probably 10 o'clock by the time we got there because it was late. Youth group would go till 9, 30, 10. Mm. And his mom was still up. 
and he had like two older sisters who are really not ugly and like everybody was like talking and hanging out family yeah and like i just remember like looking around and being like i want to be here yeah and so they kind of became my surrogate family and like it was so crazy because his parents had this way of like no matter what i did they never got shocked and they never pushed me away because of it wow didn't matter if I took 20 bucks out of their purse or if they found some stuff on the computer history. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. They, like AJ's dad one time was so mm-hmm. funny. I was like 14. He's like, um, I can still see the history if you delete it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> just they, so you know. Yeah. Like, and they just never condemning, just always loving me. And my mom was working so hard. Like she ended up having to work midnights and. It was just, it was a crazy life. So <clears throat> by the time I was like 13, 14, now I'm like trying to like kill myself at times, um, thinking about a lot, lot of anger. I got to the point because of the sexual stuff, like I'd hurt so many people. That's right. such a, like when you bring somebody into that, there's like a weight that comes on you. Like, like if I did something with a girl who'd never done something before, yeah, there was like a guilt that came that was really strong. Right. And like I remember the guilt being so heavy that we had these huge speakers because the youth room was really big. And I remember every Friday I would go behind the speakers and I would just start to cry with no one could see me. And I'd be like, God, like I know I shouldn't even be doing this. Like I shouldn't even be leading worship. Like, I shouldn't even be anywhere near this stage. But if you'll let me, you can take all this stuff and I'll take it right back when I'm done. I promise. I'm not asking you to forgive me. I'm not asking you to make me better. I just don't let me hurt anybody. Mm. And, like, could you please touch people? And, like, people would, like, we had crazy worship sessions in 15 minutes that I haven't seen people reproduce in an hour, you know, because <laughs> we were only allowed three songs, right? Yeah, yeah. But we'd have kids on the ground weeping, and I'd be singing prophetically over them with no knowledge of what the prophetic was. Wow. You know, like it got really wild sometimes, but we were completely messed up. And nobody told me about grace. Nobody told me that God actually forgives you. Like, it was so weird to grow up in church my whole life and never hear a real grace message be preached where he died once and for all, and he knew that you were going to mess up. And, like, nobody talked like that. Right. It was all, like, don't mess up, and you're better than this, and you're an overcomer. Yeah. And, and you want to like, be like Christ. You need to. Yeah, I'm an overcomer, except I'm completely immersed in sexual sin and alcohol, and and I'm, I'm aggressive, and I'm angry, and I don't know why, and I'm being abused, but I don't know how to tell anybody, and... You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you got to hold all that inside. Just be an overcomer. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so the way I explain it was I started to, every time I got hurt, I put like a brick there because I'm like, nobody's going to hurt me like that again. I got smart. and But then by the time I was 15, I was numb. You built a wall around your heart. Totally numb. Like when I, like if a kid did something that pissed me off, I could hit him without feeling bad. Hmm. It was weird. It was like it would just shut off, and it was just like wham. Like, or I could get hit and enjoy it. Mm. Like, I remember a guy was stomping on my head with boots, and I started to laugh. <laughs> and he looked down, and like he ran away. I think we're back to the control issue again, right? Yeah, you it was could a, control. Well, I was just like, "You're go ahead, man. This is what I want. End it. Do it." Mm. Like that, they didn't understand. Like, I remember a group of guys coming after my friend, and I just stood in front of like ten guys. I'm like, "Let's go." 
And they're like, we'll destroy you. I'm like, so what? Do it. That's what I want anyways. Let's go. I'm like, but I'm taking one of you with me. And then they didn't want to fight. Which one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's the guy who's coming? You know, so it was very messed up, super messed up in church the whole time. Um, so when I was like 17, no, 15 or 16, yeah. my grandparents bought a house in West Lorne, Ontario, which is out by London area. And we went to this little church, Rama Church, and, mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. the church in Windsor was Rama too, man. Word of faith all Word the way. Faith. Yep. And um, or started out Rama. I don't know if they still are, but uh, so I remember going to this church, and the pastor was just this great guy, like just just a great guy, like built lawnmowers and worked on mechanic stuff, and went to Rama, came back to try to build a church in his hometown, and bought wow. this prawn property to build a church and the city wouldn't let him and like he had like a field and stuff they wouldn't let him build a church so like it was just it was he was like a dad and so i started to really like cling to him um and then one summer i said like like i'll just come live on the pond property which he had a building but like we're talking like there wasn't a bathroom or there was a bathroom but there was no shower or something i don't know it was just a building and i'm like i'll just live in the building I'll go shower at grandma's and I'll cut the grass and I'll do whatever you want. Right. And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. You know? And so I spent like every day with them and wow. it was really awesome. And like, I didn't know a lot of the things that were going on. Like, you know, and I had a, we were running the youth and the youth was growing and we were doing camps and it was great. And for the first time in my life, I was finally getting it right. You know? Well, you felt like you fit in and you had a family. Yeah. And I wasn't screwing everything up, you right. know, like, and, and I wasn't doing the bad stuff and I, so then uh, my parents, my mom, my stepdad, finally, after years of like not being connected, got divorced. And um, I don't know how it happened, but the pastor started hearing that I was doing things or something. And I wasn't. The truth was I wasn't. And uh, they started to phase me out where it was like, oh, we don't really need you to lead worship this week. But you can play drums, you know, like and then it was like, well, we don't really need this. And something in me just was like, oh okay like it it wasn't real it was just as long as i'm what you want you want me well the pain was back and the rejection was happening right oh yeah and i snapped mm. and i was like you know what f f god f yeah. this i'm done yeah and i remember two weeks after i asked for a piece of equipment i had back and they said like to my cousin oh just tell them we'll like send it we'll buy another one and then we'll send it back and I told my mom, I said, either you drive or I'm walking. Either way, I'm going to get my stuff. And I kicked his door open, the pastor's door. This guy was like my dad. And I said, give me my stuff. I'm going to smash your skull in. And he was just like, like, okay. I'm like, you know, and I'm just red. I'm like, you're going to die. If, if you yeah, even yeah. breathe wrong, this is going to go a whole other way, buddy. <laughs> like it was, and I'm poor guy. Well, like, you felt devastated. And he didn't even know that he had done anything. No. He was just, and he was amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like this guy, there's nobody like him. I love him still to this day. Mm. Great guy, great family. So I get two years now of just straight chaos, just like drinking, partying. I have a band we're playing all the time. I have a girlfriend who hates me. It was perfect. <laughs> and what age are you now? About 18. You're 18. Now. Yeah, I'm 18 now. And okay. Like, like, there's so much more, but there's honestly, like, I think the only the only event that the Lord's bringing up to me was once when I was 15, hmm. there was a lady who came to our youth group, 
And this is the first time I ever heard the grace message. And she um, talked about her struggle from being molested and then being in a type of relationship. And she said, like, if anybody's gone through these things where you were, things were done to you and blah, 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 just come up. And mm. I just walked right up in front of everybody. Didn't even give <laughs> a rip because all I could see was that person's okay. Yes. Like, I want to be okay. There's survival. Oh, and man, when she prayed for me, I felt like all this freedom. I was doing so good. And we went to my my buddy's friend's house that night, and I slept with this girl, and it all just came, like, I felt like everything came back because I had ruined it again, right? And this was a constant theme my whole life. It was like every time something good happened, I ruined it. I ruined it. it. I ruined it, right? Like, even, like, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. Like, I just remember just always feeling responsible for everything. And I'm very much like that. Like, if I make a mistake, I'm very, like, I, that was me. I chose that. And mm. people will be, oh, well, you know, you hadn't. And I'm like, no, I chose it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just not, I just feel like choice is such a powerful thing. It is. And I, I don't want to ever um, cheapen it by saying I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Was I influenced? Yes. For sure. Was I, was some things out of my choice? Yes. But I always had a choice to do the things I did. I'll never say I didn't. And I remember when I came to be an intern, Mm. I had a really crazy vision where I was sitting at a table and this guy puts a cupcake in front of me and he goes, eat the cupcake. And I'm like, No. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he pulls a gun out in this vision and he's like, eat the cupcake. And he's yelling at me. And I looked over and Jesus was beside me. And he said, you don't have to eat that. And that was right before the encounter weekend. And I remember coming out of that vision, mm-hmm. realizing that I had made every choice I ever made. I never had to choose those things. Right. I chose them. And even when he came back and rescued me again, the second time, one of the things he said to me was when I was in uh, an encounter with the Lord for nine months being kind of rebuilt, Yeah, he said to me, like, you were always coming to the place of knowing you were a son, but how you got there was your choice. And that hit home because I kind of was hoping it was all part of the great plan. Yep. <laughs> and he just kind of reminded me, no, like, you chose, son, but even, I'm with you. Yes, even though he, it, what, what is that called? In the scripture, there is the uh, perfect will of God and a permissive will of God. That means that we're, like he just said to you, we're going to get there, but our choices are our journey. And he knows what we're going to choose. And he knows already, yeah. And so he has made a way where there is no way. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the reason why I'm I'm so happy that um, I know that, because so many people feel like there's no way out. And, like, for youth, like, I remember being 14, and um, it was a Friday night, and it was 4.30, and I was standing in the bathroom with a knife to my throat, like, pushing it into my skin. And the Holy Spirit just said, just go to youth. Like, I just heard it like a voice. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And I went, and that night, for the first time ever, my youth pastor said, like, you know, you don't have to have faith in your ability, but faith in God. Yeah. To keep you, you know, and I would just something hit and it just, I, I stayed alive another day. You know, so many times I was going to kill myself. The Holy and, Spirit is so faithful, isn't he? 
Oh, it was ridiculous. Those are those like, moments, like a fingerprints of God, like I said. Everywhere. It's supernatural. God just steps in when he realize, when when he sees and knows that we're in a very, very delicate place, and <clears throat> boom. I would have plans, like already done. I had it all planned out, and then AJ would be like, hey, you're coming with us? We're going here. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> And I was like, okay, and then I would get whacked or like, like I remember um, they had this youth pastor before our youth pastor, and he came to like preach for a few weeks. He was from Rama, and this guy Bernie Berg, I think, was his name, and like he just calls me out, man. He's like, "You come here," and he's like, "Just boom!" And the fire of God just hits me, and I'm on the <laughs> ground. He's like, "You're gonna reach thousands," and I'm weeping, like, "How? How, God? How am I gonna do this? I've already failed you. If they only knew, they'd never say these things about me, <laughs> you know." And that was such a stream. If they only knew. If they only knew, right? So 18 comes, complete chaos. Right, you did it. You're in the couple of years here of partying, and this is two years straight. And I mean, like, I am, I'm doing everything I can do to die, <laughs> without being the one who did it. Right. So I'm walking up to the six foot two muscle guy at the bar, calling him out, and he's punching me in the head. Like, I'm, I'm the fearless idiot driving the go kart behind the car. Like, you know, yeah. like, and I do enjoy adrenaline, but back no, then yes, it was a, <laughs> it was a scary thing back then. Yeah, and so. Um, that's going on. And I didn't know my mom was like going to kick me out or whatever near the end of this. Cause me and the girl were just so crazy. Yeah. Like she was throwing stuff at me. Like I would, it was, it was just nuts, but I, I wanted it. I wanted her to hate me. I wanted to be hated. Like I felt like this is what I deserved. This is it. This is life and mm -hmm. just get over it. And I remember one night in the winter, I went to this bridge and it was like this walkway bridge in bell river. And I, like, we're talking like, 16 8 to 16 inches of metal maybe 10 to 16 it's about this wide mm. i don't know and uh i climbed up and i'm standing on it drunk out of my mind looking at the ice and the water because it's a river it's flowing and i'm i'm standing there and i just said i don't want to live anymore and i leaned forward and i couldn't fall <laughs> like i couldn't fall and I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like out on an angle. Yeah. And I, I was so drunk that I screamed at the sky and I said, fine, I'll go home then. Like, because I knew he just wasn't going to let me go. <laughs> like, he got really, really crazy. Yeah. And like, yeah. So I go home. I'm, I'm in this chaos. AJ's gone. He went to Alberta at this time. So all my, all my safety nets are gone. Like, I don't see his family anymore. Right. You know, like he's, I remember the night he left was probably one of the worst nights of my life. Like just feeling like he was gone. Cause he was really like the only cling I, like the only friend I had who no matter what I did was my friend. He was there. Like, yeah. Just, and I'm, I wasn't a great friend all the time. Like, mm. you know, every time he got hurt, it was cause of me. <laughs> you know, yeah. hey, Adrian, let's jump on this let's two by four. <laughs> Broken wrist, you know, mm. it just, he just never gave up on me and we were musical and stuff. And so, um, I remember he came back and I was like, Oh, so, okay. So two days before he came back though, we break up, right? Me and the girl, the it, was, girl yeah. it was really wild breakup. It was kind of, <laughs> I remember calling one of my buddies. I could hear him driving down the street. He was driving so fast because everybody hated our relationship because it was so like, Toxic. Toxic. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just nuts. Like, I was every other day, like, 
smashing stuff and running out, gonna like go jump in front of a car. Like I was just nuts, right? <laughs> so um so we break up, AJ comes back and he goes, Hey man, I'm back. And I was like, Oh, so you're still doing that? Like I said, Are you still doing that stupid God stuff? And he's like, Yeah, actually I'm at a worship night tonight. Why don't you come see me? And I was like, Okay. So my buddy Jordan, who was really like one of the few people who stuck around me back then, really great guy still love him to this day took me to this worship night at the church where i used to be a youth worship leader right and um i'm standing there and all of a sudden the presence of god comes in like i've seen holy spirit move like my whole life like i remember being in a room with guys like norval hayes kenneth hagan david horton all these big name evangelists who walked and moved in crazy power. I saw people thrown across the room. I saw people laugh and had to be wheeled to their cars. Like mm -hmm. I saw God move. I was, I was hit by God several times. I knew that he was real. I knew his presence. I knew that stuff, mm. but I felt so rejected. Right? So here I am at this worship night and all of a sudden I can just feel God and I haven't felt him for two years. I've just numbed myself. And so, like, I'm like, the like, water is like in my eyes. And AJ turns to me and he says, I love you. And I, I screamed. I said, F you, man. <laughs> and all these Christian people around me, like, turned because I'm swearing what? at AJ in the middle of a worship night. And I ran out the door. And the second I got in the hallway, like, I could barely stand. I had to hold my arm on the wall to get out of the church. I ran out of the building. I'm outside. It took me like two hours to totally calm down. And like, they're upstairs. They had a cafe. Everybody's chilling. And I'm sitting in the sanctuary, just staring at the stage. And I was like, you know what? I don't want you, God. And I don't want this. I don't want it. Leave me alone. And so then me and AJ, he like, we started hanging out. We started writing these songs. <coughs> yeah. We're writing Christian songs. Yes. <laughs> and uh, AJ's mom goes, hey, Corey, you know, I think God wants to, like, rock your life. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. He can come talk to me when I'm old and gray, and I'll do whatever he wants. <laughs> and uh, two days later, I was doing uh, – AJ was doing a house group with his parents. And AJ said, hey, like, would you do the worship with me? And I was like, no. And he's like, why? I'm like, because I don't believe that crap anymore. And he's like, well, just play guitar. And I was like, okay, because <laughs> it's AJ, I'll do whatever. You love playing guitar. Yeah, so we're sitting there, we're doing worship. This guy from Lakeland's there. Um, this blonde lady I'd never seen before who plays pianos there. I'm like, okay, this is weird. And then uh, all of a sudden, her name was Catherine, and she said, hey, Corey, can you come stand by AJ at this one point in the meeting? And I just started to weep because I could just feel that same presence like coming in the room. <laughs> And like she began to speak about my dad and different things, and AJ starts bawling because he knows it's real. Like she's never met me, she doesn't know me, mm -hmm. and uh, her voice disappears, and all I can hear is Jesus, and he's just like, "I've always loved you," and I'm like, "What? <laughs> you know, like what do you mean you've always loved me? You know?" And like I just remember this connection with him. It was so like I can feel it even in my chest right now. It was mm -hmm. so strong. To where he was showing me, like, I've never not been there. Hmm. And all of a sudden, like, I remember I said to him, I said, when I was 10 years old, my mom asked me something and I lied. She asked me to swear on the Bible. <laughs> and I did. And I lied. Yeah. And I went to my room and I felt ice cold. It was weird. Mm -hmm. And I remember I said to the Lord, I said, God, forgive me. 
And if you come back, like if I stop feeling this way, I'll give you whatever you want. Mm. I'll do whatever you want. And Catherine, all of a sudden, like at the end of the prophecy, she goes, you told me when you were 10 that you would do whatever I want and I'm here to collect. Wow. Like it was that crazy. Like, <laughs> like it wasn't just a, like a, no, no, you're he, strong he, in the Lord. Uh, you know, like it was the real. The Lord loves you, brother. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just, I remember I woke up the next morning and AJ looked at me and he goes, what's up? And I said, we're going. And he said, what do you mean? I said, last night, I, I just know we're supposed to go anywhere they'll take us. We're going. I'm like, we're in full-time ministry. <laughs> and he's like, what? I come like, to collect, right? Yeah, I was just like, that's it. And mm. so Friday, so this was Tuesday. We're writing songs. AJ's mom's telling people at the church what happened because yeah. she works at the school. And so um, it was so wild. So the school says, well, would they come lead worship with the kids? And so she asked us, I said, of course we will. We'll go anywhere, anywhere yep. they'll take us. Yeah. So we go, and they've given us kids from grade one to, like, grade five. So we're talking six-year-olds to 12-year-olds, right? 11, like, very young, a lot of young, young kids. And me and AJ don't even know what we're doing, but we just start, and we're having a great time. And all of a sudden, it hits, man. And we're, like, 45 minutes in an hour in, an hour and a half in. There's six-year-olds <laughs> weeping on the ground, face in the carpet. Teachers don't even, like the teachers would come in the room and they would just like lay on the carpet because they saw kids just weeping with their hands in the air. They like, didn't know what to do. Dude, it was nuts. Like we're <laughs> talking three hours of worship with wow. kids from grade one to, f like AJ and me were like one person. It was nuts. Like, and the power goes out. <laughs> And so we're like, okay, you know, we're going to pack up our stuff. So I'm packing up the stuff. AJ's playing basketball in the gym because he's the athletic one. Yeah. I'm like, I got this stuff. And so I'm packing up the stuff, and the principal comes over to me, and she's like, hey, AJ just told me to, to come and ask you, but um, the youth, like the high school kids heard the worship, and they wondered if you'd lead worship with them. So I just played guitar for three hours, acoustic. <laughs> I've got Fingers like indents. Yeah, like I haven't done this in a while. I have indents, and I'm like, and all of a sudden I just heard, like, anywhere they'll take you. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. So, like, we're talking two days in. So we go to the high school room. The power comes back on. I've got the gear set up. Like, two strums in. Kids are weeping. Like, it's just nuts. <laughs> and so then. What year is this? Do you know? That's That's the year we met. So that would have been eight or nine. It was Lakeland was going on at the time. At that time, so that's two thousand eight. Eight, yeah. So I'm, we're we're with the teenagers. They're like rocked. I'm getting words with people. I don't even know what the prophetic is yet. Right. And I'm like telling them like this is what you've been thinking and like they're weeping and this pastor was uh, talking to the worship leader of the church, who actually was the guy who ended up going on tour when I showed up at the youth group like ten years earlier. Right. Right. Five years earlier. And uh, the pastor was asking the worship leader if he could come to Sault Ste. Marie to do meetings. And he's like, I can't. I got this. I got that. And so he's like, man, where am I ever going to find a worship team? And the guy goes, well, do you hear that? And he's like, yeah, that's really good. Wow. You could really feel that, eh? And they're like, so they come into the room while we're worshiping with the teenagers. And while we're worshiping, a pastor walks up to me and AJ and says, hey, I don't mean to interrupt. But I'm doing a conference in Sioux St. Marie. Would you guys come lead worship? Wow. 
Like we're talking doors just, are just swinging. Open. And we're like, yeah, we'll come, right? Like mm-hmm. anywhere, anytime. Anywhere. So, and he's talking like a month away, so we're not even there. So this is like, we're talking Tuesday, I encounter Jesus. Thursday, Friday, I'm in the church service. Friday night uh, is soaking night at Catherine's. I'm there. There's an angel standing on my back. Like, I'm wrecked. So then they go, you got to come to this church. Okay, before you go there, yeah. back up. I think you're 14. 14, yeah. And you have a vision. A vision. See, Tell when, about that. Yeah, when I was a worship leader, I would have these encounters with God. Um, one of them was I see on... Oh, that's so wild. Talk about the vision you had as a kid. Is, is that, did you say that because of Chels? Yeah. Oh, good catch. But I was thinking about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's so hard. There's so much. No, and I'm trying but to just it listen. it works really well with what you're, where you're going now. So when I was 14, I had this vision as a worship leader. Um, I was on my back in the glory. I think it was the same night the Bernie Bird guy prayed for me. Mm. And I saw this place, and it had like a stage, and I remember the carpet, and it, had, it was just big and bright, and people were like flagging and dancing and singing, and excuse me, rapping and, and rapping, yeah, all this stuff. And I remember hearing the word "freedom of worship," and it hit me so hard because I didn't, I didn't know what that even meant. I just thought we sang songs to God, like I didn't know what worship is, right. You know, we call it a worship team, but what is that? And so I came to my youth leader and I'm like, hey, this is what I saw. And like, this is what God showed me. And he goes, yeah, that's not God. I said, well, why? And he goes, well, because God does things decently and in order. And that sounds like chaos. And so that vision wasn't from God. Mm. That was just your own thing. And it just, I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's weird. Like, I don't normally think of these things. But yeah. I guess you know more than I do. Yeah, yeah. And so I just buried it. I just was like, hey, I guess that's dead. So fast forward now. So Catherine Friday night says, you have to come with us to this church. And you're eight, 18 now or 19? No, or I think I'm 20. 20? 20 at this point. 20. Okay. I think so, right? 2008. I don't know. Yep. I don't know how old I am. I can't do I that. I do. You do? Yeah, you're there 34. we go. So just I. Just a uh, kid. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So I remember Sunday morning being so excited. Mm. Like, and they're like, you're going to have to get up early. I said, I'll, I won't go to bed. Like, you don't <laughs> understand. Like, I'm so hungry. I want anything and everything that's him because I've missed out for so long. And for me, for so long, because I knew he was real from the time I was a little boy. Like, right. I knew, and I knew I was called, and I knew I was chosen. I, I just didn't know how to get there. I, I thought all my mistakes disqualified me from all those things. Yeah. Like, and and I didn't know that people didn't go through the same things I went through. I thought that was just normal. I didn't know that, mm. you know, people were weren't physically hurt and things like that. I thought that was normal for your dad to just freak out like or to ignore you or scream at you. And I didn't know these things, you know, like I was messed up, really messed up and struggled in all these things like school. And so I could never find accomplishment. And like there was a teacher who was like a father to me and he's still my one of like I could call him right now and he would drive here if I needed him. Yeah. And he's that good of a friend to me. Like the guy is amazing, but that's a whole other story. So 
we're going <laughs> we're going to Stratford. Yeah. I've never been to Stratford. I didn't take the school trip, John. I didn't yeah. go see the plays. Yeah. <laughs> and um which is funny because I was a stage manager and did lighting and sound. Yeah, it's yeah. weird that I never showed up here. Um but I remember we got in the car and I could just feel this like almost like a vibration in my stomach the whole ride. I just knew something was going to happen. And uh, one of the things Catherine said is she said, the Lord's going to give you something he promised and it's going to be real soon, like within the next few days. So she said that on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And so I get, I get to Highlands and worship starts and I'm excited. I'm like, this place is cool. There's people everywhere. They're hugging each other. Like Mm -hmm. it, it was just, it was, it was wild. And, um, Shane comes up to me, my buddy, and he goes, Hey man, like, can I punch you in the stomach? Mm. And I'm like, dude, you can kick me in the face if it's Jesus. Like, I don't give a rip. Like, I've yeah. been hit before. I'll be hit again. Let's do it. You know, so he full out just like, poof, and we look at each other and we're like, I don't know. And I was on the right-hand side by mm. the where the piano used to be. Yep. Um, those first flight of stairs by the bar, and he just whoosh, blew at me. And I went through like three rows of chairs. And, like, Tilly, I think, screamed because I almost landed on her, and I'm not a small dude. I was a lot smaller then. But uh, yeah. I remember going through the chairs, and when I hit the floor, I was back in that vision of when I was 14. And there was people flagging and worshiping everywhere. And that was the week I think Brandon, Brandon was there rapping, thing. and yep. all this stuff was happening all around me, and I'm weeping because I'm like, this is it. Like, I found it. Like, this is the freedom of worship. This is where mm. you are. Because even in worship, me and AJ, we got to the point where, like, we were one person, but we were also just really good at what we did, and we had hearts after God, so he would show up. Right. But we had no grid on how to actually connect with God. At least I didn't. Yeah. Like, we just went with instinct and hoped it was good, you know? And, like, And God had your number. Oh, dude, he was <laughs> so, like, dude, everywhere we went, it just... <laughs> it was great like like and when you're face down that was the carpet so yeah so i'm i'm on the ground weeping and i'm crawling to try to like <laughs> find something and i finally like i feel this like wood and i'm like okay i'm at the back of the room and i put my back up against the wall and i open my eyes and there's everybody staring at me i'm at the front of the room Oops. and snot <laughs> is running down my face like i've never cried like i cried mm-hmm. that day and I looked at the carpet, and it was, I was in the room I'd saw when I was 14. You were in the vision now. I had got there. It was yeah. real. It wasn't, it wasn't in my mind. It was a real place. And uh, I just remember I said, Lord, I have to come here. And he said, I know. They're going to ask you. You just wait until they do. And that was three months that went by. I never once asked to be an intern. No. I never once tried to work my way in. And just I'd say, anything you need, I can do anything you need. Like, you need sound, great, I'll do sound. Anything you want, I'll Yeah, do. you did like, sound at one of the conferences. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, and, and even that, like, it was just encounter after encounter after encounter. <clears throat> and then, like, just the faithfulness of God. Like, I remember Sault Ste. Marie came up. Yeah. Like, me and AJ traveled Ontario in less than three months. Like, all across it, from Montreal to Sault Ste. Marie. Like, we just, Wes Lauren brought us in. Like, Jeez. dude, I told the pastor, I said, just give me a pack of hot dogs and a barbecue. And he's like, what? I'm like, just give me a pack of hot dogs. That night, there was 30 kids in youth. 
And I got up and spoke and like whispered into their ears words as they wept under the power of God. Like it was crazy, man. Like we could just, I didn't even know what words were at this point. <laughs> but I it just, was working. I just knew I could do it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so here's, uh, this is so crazy. So Sault Ste. Marie, we're talking like me and AJ go, oh my gosh, we have to be in Sault Ste. Marie like tomorrow. And we have no way to get there. Like his parents can't drive us this seven hour drive. It's a long ways. So we're looking at buses. We're trying to figure it out. We have no money. We have like, maybe I have like 40 bucks. Maybe he's got a hundred. Yeah. You know, and uh, the pastor calls us at nine at night and AJ's like, we got to tell him. And I said, don't say a word. <laughs> and so, Anywhere you want us to go, right? <laughs> so the pastor calls, AJ picks up the phone. I'm like, put it on the speaker. And he's like, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm like, great. We're so excited to be coming to Sault Ste. Marie. You know, and he's like, oh, yeah? I was wondering if you guys could do me a huge solid. And we're like, okay, what's that? He goes, I left my van in Windsor. And I need – could you cancel your plans and bring my van, and I'll make sure you get a ride home. Oh, my gosh. And so me and AJ are just looking at each other like, this didn't just happen because <laughs> AJ has a license. And uh, it's like the twilight zone. And so I said to AJ, I, I said, yeah, we'll change our plans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, no, our plans of not knowing how to get there. Yeah. So, so we load up the van. It's full of gas. The van's already full of gas. And uh, we, AJ's like, we got to drive through the States. Now I've already crossed the border three times with no photo IDs by God's grace. Just going to house groups in Sarnia with AJ's parents. Yeah. Uh, Two or three times. And so all I have is a student card and a birth certificate. We're talking after 9-11, right? Like, like we're... Not <laughs> easy to get in. Yeah. So we get to the border. We got a van full of sound gear, guitars. It's not our van. Uh -oh. And the guy at the border, I hand him my birth certificate. And he goes, what's this? I said, well, that's all I got. And he goes, but how am I supposed to know this is you? And no joke, the words came out of my mouth faster than I could think. And I said, you're just going to have to trust me. And the guy goes, okay. And he hands it back and we get waved through. <laughs> so we go through the border with somebody else's van full of equipment. We drive all the way to Sault Ste. Marie. Um, at this point, I had like um, gotten Empatego from like one of AJ's like nephews or something. And so my skin was like disappearing and people were like, go to the hospital. I'm like, no, God's going to heal me. Like I just had this feeling it's all on my face. So we're doing tent meetings in the summer and it's hot and I'm uh, sweating and I got scabs everywhere. And, um, the third night the guy goes, Hey, I, uh, Mark Davies out of London, amazing guy travels to the Sudan. This guy, like, this is the guy that he, the Lord told him to go preach at a mosque, right? Yeah. So he's driving to the mosque with his team, and there's a roadblock, but it's a Christian roadblock. And they're saying, Mark, turn around. And he's like, what do you mean? He goes, last week a pastor was murdered here for preaching the gospel, and there was only 3,000. There's 35,000 there today. Don't go. And Mark's like, well, the Lord <laughs> said go. And like they had more salvations than you could imagine. Like it was, it was ridiculous. This guy was an amazing guy. Wow. Still is. I think he's out of London area. Mark Davy Ministries, bless him. Go for it. Mm. So, Mark calls out. He goes, "I see someone with a sword under their arm," and AJ like hits me because I've forgotten by this point. I'm just enjoying the conference, right? And uh, AJ hits me, and um, 
Oh, were we cutting out? Is is it good for everybody? Yeah. Can everybody hear okay now? We'll give them a second. Somebody comment. I can always... Uh, I don't know why it would be cutting out. Everything seems good. Yeah, I don't know. Check one, two. Check, check. Good now, Chels said. Awesome. Okay. So um, he calls out the sword under the arm. AJ's like, dude, wasn't that where your scab started? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so he prays for me. I'm talking like my whole nose is gone. I think you saw me during this time. It lasted for a few weeks. Yeah. It was gross. Like, it was not a fun day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember he prayed for me that night. And by the morning, every scab was gone. The scabs were gone. Wow. And, like, AJ is looking at me, like, because I was ointing and everything. And he's like, <laughs> dude, like, this is nuts. Uh-huh. So, like, it just, it was constant. Like, it was just, we got invited to go to Montreal. So one of our friends knew this girl, Michelle, whose parents had a camp. Yeah. And uh, that's how I met Chelsea. And um, the camp invited her to come and lead worship, and we were going to be her band. And so, the, like, a week before, she cancels. She's like, I can't go. So the, the Michelle calls us and goes, would you guys still come? And I'm like, you know the answer to that, AJ. Yep. <laughs> by this point, we've done house groups, churches. <clears throat> we've been all over the place. Wow. And so, no joke, the day before, we have no way to get to Montreal again. <laughs> and we're like, I don't know what we're going to do. And uh, we don't. We had been given a car, but we didn't get it on the road and stuff. By this point, it was still fairly new, and it, the car wasn't the greatest car in the world. We called her Betsy. Mm-hmm. I think Vic gave it to us. It was like a neon that was dying. We drove it to Stratford once, mm-hmm. and um, I remember AJ's like, "Bro, like tomorrow we have to drive to Montreal, <laughs> and we have no way to get there." And I said, "Dude, don't worry." I know something's going to happen. So it was about 11 that night. We're still hanging out with people. And AJ's sister from Sarnia shows up. Didn't tell anybody she was coming. And she's like, yeah, I got like a week off, and I thought I'd come down and hang out with you guys. And I'm like, a week, you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, how would you like feel about going, going, to to a, <laughs> going to a youth camp? And she's like, that sounds awesome. So we load up her car, and we drive that morning after hanging out with people all night, presence of God falling, like, Everywhere, all the time, it was just ridiculous. Like, God would just move. It was just, it was super easy. It was really mm. great because we didn't know anything. And so um, we went to Montreal, and this, that was, like, a very amazing experience. I met Chelsea for about five minutes. And then the next year we went, um, this guy, it was so funny. We were called up to do worship at the end of a meeting. And he goes, I'm not going to let these guys come up here and play music so that you'll be manipulated into accepting Jesus. <laughs> and, like, I quickly asked the Holy Spirit, I said, is this you? Because <laughs> if it's not, that guy's about to get hurt. And uh, he's like, no, it's me. Just listen. And and so I calmed down, and I listened to him talk, and he said, you know, if you want to accept Jesus, you want to know more about Christ, you come find me during the day or one of your other leaders, and we'll sit down and talk to you. I don't want you to make a decision in a meeting. You don't know what you're choosing. Out of emotion or something? Yeah, like very stand-up guy, kind of yeah. old school. Um, not very, like, hard, emotional kind of guy. So for him, he's like, I, I don't want to play on your emotions, right? Right. Not knowing that sometimes God just moves on people's hearts. Absolutely, yeah. Um, great guy, Phil Ken, Promise Keepers. Really mm-hmm. funny. I, I liked him. 
So me and AJ go up after he leaves. <laughs> and the, the pastor looks at us. He goes, I don't know what to do. You know, and we're like, okay. And I just remember the Lord spoke to me and he said, Corey, they know how to, they know me. They know how to do this. Don't lead them. And I was like, don't lead them. And so I just got on the mic and I said what he said. I said, you guys know what to do. You know how to pray. You know how to worship. Me and AJ are going to turn around and play some chords and you do what you want to do. And so we turned around and just started playing music. And a few minutes in, man, the sound started to happen that I'd never heard before. And the Lord said, turn around. And I'm weeping. And there's kids singing in English, kids <laughs> singing in French, kids just praying, kids shouting stuff out, kids face down on the ground weeping in the tent. And it sounded like one voice praying in tongues. Wow. And that was when I really realized, like, there's a lot more for me to figure out. Because this is like this is something special, and I have only encountered that a few times since. Yeah, where it's that crazy. Once was in Bramford, where it sounded like voices and everything were in the room. Like it's just like there's a place where heaven meets earth. Like I really believe that. Like, and it's not because we did something right; it's because we got out of the way. Yeah, God just pulls the veil off. Yeah, and like, and God was so funny back then too. Like He said to me, like, don't, don't leave until the last one's done. <laughs> and I'm getting like eaten by mosquitoes. And like we're talking Montreal mosquitoes too. They're like a whole other breed. Mm. And this kid was in the tent till 1:40 in the morning and I'm playing the piano softly as he's just walking around and praying. But I'm thinking like like what kid stays in the tent till 1:40? Yeah, really. like, I was just I was in awe. Um and I met Chelsea and we had that whole story which is crazy but you know and and then uh yeah and if you've heard the second half of my story then i messed it all up and god came and rescued me again and i just i remember having this encounter with him where i could almost see his love like a road or or a river and i would see it to a point of where i would do something wrong yeah and then the lord would say look again and it was past that point and then I would see something bigger and scarier. And then it went past that point. And he just spoke to me and he was like, there's nothing you can do that will ever make me stop pursuing you. Even if you do it again and again and again, I will come and rescue you. And it just, it, it made me question a lot. It did. Like coming here, mm. I was very open to learning new things because nothing made sense anymore. Right. Here I was in my darkest place, and God found me. See, that's the thing is, <clears throat> as I was listening to you, one thing was very evident that was ingrained in you, that's ingrained in a lot of people, Christians. Yeah. And that is that it's about them. Yeah. Right? Everything was about me. Your whole story was about, one, the whole thing of feeling um, almost like you were on a self-destruct because of the pain and yeah. the hurt and the rejection and not feeling like you belong and needing a father, right? The fatherless generation, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people in this, in that whole place in life. And so then they're struggling for uh, identity um, to know they're loved and they think, and then religion comes along and religion tells them that <clears throat> if you want God to love you, 
then you got to measure up. Obey his commandments. <clears throat> That's right. You got to measure up. So you kept failing. Yeah. But your failure was your success, ultimately. But you didn't understand that yet. Meaning, <clears throat> John 15 says, I can do nothing yeah. except abide. So we got we got to get to the place where we realize this is about God's unfailing love yeah. coming and getting us and rescuing us from the knowledge, mm. the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and uh -huh. what we think we must do when the fact is he's the one. It's Christ in me, right? Yeah. He's the Christian in me. And so, remember I used to tell you there's this room called the School of Failure. Yeah, it was my life. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and <laughs> it's like I'd be going along doing all this stuff, and then I said God would send me to, you know, the classroom. room 101, yeah. which was the Time School of Failure. Nothing I did worked out. It all failed. And it was like I'd go from success to that. And then once I started to get it, I'd be out of that class, and then... I'd have to go back again until finally I realized his love never changes for me. Yeah. He sees, like we've discussed. Well, one of the crazy thing was, um, if you don't know my whole story, basically I was, I was here as an intern. Yeah. I lived six years just completely focused, and then I fell apart, and I almost lost my family and everything. And um, I remember when God came back, into my life, not came back. He was always there. When God mm. awoke me from under the apple tree, yes, I spent nine months with him. Then I we went to the farm, and I had thirteen people in one night tell me, "God wants you to like step out again," and all that. Remember? Yep, you were there. It was yep. wild. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I did. <laughs> and the first place they sent me, God sent me, was Windsor. And I remember I did a conference there, and then I think me and Chelsea were there. I'm visiting and I did a house group and I told them like the whole story. Um, and then Chelsea came to pick me up and the Lord said, why don't you ask Chelsea to share what she went through when you failed? And when I say I failed, I committed adultery, right? I, hmm. I fell big. I'm not, you know, if you come to any of my meetings, you've heard my story. It's, it's not a fun one. And um, I remember sitting there when he said that, and he asked me to ask her to share what she went through. Mm. And I just said to him, like, do you even like me? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like I just I just told these people what I did. I really, and so I, I did. I said, Charles, could you um, share with these people what you went through when I was messed up? And she did, and I heard things that I didn't want to hear. I, it hurt to hear. Yeah. And I just remember this moment. It was so powerful. Or Jesus said, like, Corey, I know you feel like the bad guy in this story. He said, but I'm the hero. You know, and I knew at that moment that it wasn't about me being good or bad anymore. It was about me realizing that no matter what, this God is for me. Yeah, He loves me. And even through this moment of pain where I look the worst I could possibly look, he is completely in love with me. And and little do I know, he's actually shining lights in a room. Mm. And and it just, it was so crazy. Like, And even another thing attached to that was mm. he asked me to go tell someone very close to me what I had done. 
And I was like, God, like really, like like everybody else, but why destroy how that person sees me? Mm. And that's how I viewed it, right? Almost as like I'm being punished. And I remember going to their house and and telling them what happened, and tears filled up in their eye, and they started to cry crazily. And I thought, like, man, I broke them. And all of a sudden, this voice came, and they said, "Me too." And I said, "What do you mean?" And they said, "Me too." I did the same thing, but I never got to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I realized the Lord didn't send me there to punish me; He sent me there to set somebody free. Yeah. And He took my worst possible mistakes and used them to set somebody free. It was like now when I think about it, it's like how do you do that? He says he'll give us beauty for ashes. I know that's what it says. But, but now you know <laughs> more than like, but you know more than what it says. Yeah. You like, experienced it. And like this was someone I loved and cared about and mm. who taught me first John, confess one to another. And, yeah. You know, like it was so powerful. And I just remember like holding that person and telling them like you're forgiven, and just like standing there being like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Like that's the one thing that I've learned is like I haven't done any of this, and it was so wild because last week, like because you know I've had the vision of opening a cafe and all this stuff, right. and I've wanted it to happen. I've wanted it to happen. This unconditional love, this this home for people, right. And last week when she was when Shakira was sharing, the Lord spoke to me. He said, Corey, you're the home that I'm building for people. Yeah. Not a building. You're the landing strip. And like I think that whether or not what I saw becomes physical or not, Mm. it's becoming who I am. And I'm learning that I have to be a place for people to land. See see if we, we want if you look back, yeah. You wanted to be like Christ. Yeah. Right? So you were working it out, finding yeah. out that your choices were bad ones and you were failing God. <laughs> yeah. But that was that was inevitable because no one can actually do it. Yeah. So then you find out that um, <sighs> it's in that place that God begins to shine through and we begin to see that if we want to be like Christ— and yes, we will become perfect. It says, be perfect like your heavenly Father's perfect. We will. But it's because we'll walk in the light as he is in the light. Yeah, we'll be with him. That's right. And he transforms us, transfigures us eventually from the place of darkness, which is blindness, and the fruit of separation is what we call sin. But the thing is, if we really want to be like the Father, it's not about being what we think holiness is. It's about unconditional love. Well, that's who at, the Father is, and that's Jesus what he's saying. Well. Yeah, what he did there was uncalled for. Yeah, inappropriate. He treated a woman as he treats a man. What's he doing? He was showing us something, man. Yeah, they don't understand. The Jews hated him so much for the God stuff, but also for the fact that he treated women the same as men. He loved everybody, and he was a picture of. Father. Yeah, come on. So that was the creator of the universe saying, neither do I condemn thee. Yeah. I'm not judging you. Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Not, I'm going to smack you upside the head, but because you open a door, bad things will happen. 
Well, so your you, choices have consequences. Exactly. But that's like, what you heard when Chelsea began to share from her heart what happened in yeah. her, right? And like the crazy thing too is like God's like super faithful and like even when I was all messed up, you and Sue came out to see me and you guys ministered to Chelsea like when I was totally checked out. And like people don't understand is like you might not understand what God's doing in someone's life mm. or even understand their message or their ministry. But if you knew the things that other people know, like like nobody can talk smack to me about like me and you, like we're tight, like mm. no matter what for the rest of the time. Mm. Because nobody's ever just loved me through everything. Like I could have went into the night, you know, at waiting rooms where I told you everything <laughs> and you just kept saying God loves you and you held me as I cried. Like and that would have been enough. But then, you know, God gives me this vision and, and you just welcome me back with open arms with with no condition, you know, and and like I don't know anybody else who's in ministry that's fallen publicly like I have and it's known knowledge in this it, like show me where mm. you know and in fact i even had a pastor like pull me in an office when i got mm -hmm. here yeah. and and good good heart and wanting to produce good and and uh, it didn't it did produce good it was great but like they were like you know could you close the door and I'm, i was like oh uh oh <laughs> and i said what's going on and well i heard there was some adultery and i said well let's open the door because if you come to any of my meetings you'll hear me speak about my failures yeah because as much as I want to be like Christ, it's the fact that he can move when I'm not that brings hope to people like me. There's people like me who never felt good enough, who've never felt like they've met the bar, who can't get there. And, and they try and they try and they try. I remember mm. um, one time struggling so hard and, and promising, like, God, I promise I won't go here again. Like, and really meaning it and wanting it to be, but it just kept falling apart. And he spoke to me and he said, Corey, it's not the promises you make me, but the ones that I made you. Why don't you go find out what they are? Yes. You know, and that's when we started talking and learning things like, you know, he will perfect you and mm -hmm. like, let Christ be what formed in you. Yes. Like, that's not something I do. That's, you know, and, and now it's like, I see it so clearly where it's like, I really can't be that without him. But by the grace of God, there go I. Yeah. And, and 90% of it, honestly, like, and this is a whole other day, hmm. but it was until point of origin. Once I realized that I came from heaven. Yeah. And Jesus started speaking to me about some crazy thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them was if Adam fell and brought all men into sin, then wouldn't Christ dying bring all men into life? And and not um I'm not debating universalism at this moment. What I'm seeing is I was always his. Yeah. And he showed me, like, there's a Made in Heaven logo on my butt. Like, if you flip me up, there's a barcode that says Made in Heaven. So if God mm. made me, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm from his handiwork, fearfully and wonderfully made. How the did I become the devils? Yeah. What, the moment I was born, I'm just evil now? I, oh, wait I always say... If I came into your house and I stole your TV and it's I'm walking yours? down the, the the walkway, whose TV is it? Is it mine now? No, it's still your TV, right? I just got it. And Jesus preaches this. He says, if there was one sheep yes. 
one lost sheep. Well, how do you lose something? You have to first own it. Yeah, that's it. And so I started to realize like, and it's very slow and I suck at it sometimes to be honest. And, and I'm very honest with the people in my life because I want to, I want mm. to be like him. And, and that again, he who began a good work, it yeah. says we'll perfect it. So the Holy Spirit, I think that he'll get the job done. Yeah. It's his job. And he, again, God sees the end from the beginning. Yeah. Right? And so he sees, it's like somebody that's creating something, this piece of art or this song. It may look pretty pretty messed up in the middle of it, yeah. but he already knows what it's going to sound like, and he's creating. And when you see the finished product, and and even in that, the reality of it all is we fell where minds it's the soul the mind will and emotions it's in the darkness it's not who we are no right i remember this um story once this guy uh, a a pastor peter jackson he uh said one time something that really hit me he goes i had this issue with somebody i just couldn't forgive them now it wasn't he wasn't in relationship with them it was somebody that's famous and i'll tell you who it is in a moment for what they did wrong right something evil and he really had an issue with them and an issue with them and he just couldn't forgive them and it was on one of those weekends those uh encounter, encounter weekend weekends. Things, yes. and he had this vision and in the vision he's seen this man walk into a room and all he's seen was from his knees down these boots and the guy walked over and started kicking this dog in the corner just kicking it and kicking it and kicking it until the dog was like mush in the corner, right? And God said to him, Peter, that's my son, Charles Manson. Now you know why he's doing what he's doing. You see, if somebody's so wounded and so hurt, and we judge people, and the fruit of what's going on, I'm not saying what he did is right, choices to talk about it. But the fact was, he wanted him to see something he did not know. Well, and when you get to the place, like giving yourself unto uh, a spirit or or an entity or whatever. Right. As much as I don't really understand it all, I know what it's like. Yeah. Because I had friends where, like, they would tell me, when you get mad, it's not you anymore. Like, it's scary. Like, we don't know what happens to you, man. Now, nobody says that now. Right. But like back then, it, like I could just make my best friend cry just by like getting angry. Yeah, she because it's break. well, there's they don't know what's going to happen. Well, and the crazy thing with that encounter weekend, which mm-hmm. was really funny, <laughs> yeah. I remember like gotta remember, I'm like a 20 year old dude who's fought and beat people up, and I'm <laughs> like I'm crazy. I've been beat up, mm-hmm. and like the day before the encounter weekend, that night I called my mom crying. I called my mommy. <laughs> and I'm bawling and I'm like like my mom's like what's wrong and I'm like I don't know what's gonna happen if God takes all that stuff away yeah who are you right yeah and Without then I it. then I get to the encounter weekend and Brian Miller's my partner <laughs> the most squeaky clean looking yeah, yeah, yeah. guy I know yeah. 30 year old loving Jesus like you know, and I'm like, we're going through the paperwork, and I'm like, you guys got extra paper? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I remember when I didn't have to click one box, I was like, woohoo! 
<laughs> like, you know, like it was, but you know, the crazy mm. thing was just, and, and not just you, it was like everybody just love, love, love. Like I remember, like I, I didn't even like screw up or anything. I just like thought about it and I thought I was so bad. I went to Ivan and mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, I can't do worship tomorrow. I was going to do this and this. And he just looked at me. He's like, number one, you came and talked to me. Yeah. He's like, that means you don't want to do it. He's like, I love you, man. You can still do worship. Like I like people thought I was weird because I had so much condemnation. Like yeah. I can, like, there's a movie called Zoolander yeah. with the guys like I'm not an ambi turner. So he can't turn the one direction. He can only at the end of the, uh, uh, at the end of the, like the fashion walkway, he only turns right. He can't turn left or right. whatever. And, um, <laughs> and I literally remember a time in my life where I could not physically look up because mm. physically looking up meant that he could see me and I was so dirty. I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't looking in someone's eyes. I couldn't do it because I was so dirty. Like that's crazy Yeah. to see the sacrifice Christ did for me and for me to live like that for 20 years, completely like swallowed in guilt and shame, condemnation, never wanting anybody to know anything. That's why this love of God is beyond words. <laughs> it's even beyond our comprehension. I have kids. <laughs> like I have kids like I even remember being terrified to have kids yeah I was like God I don't know how to be a dad I don't know how to do this I know I was like won't it be weird like you know like and it's not it's no. amazing and like my we kids... begin to feel a little bit of what God feels for us it's unbelievable that love and I remember after having one child going I don't know if I can love another one. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Moment? Oh yeah. But then it's like he enlarges your heart. And it's different. And it's different. And yeah. you can love them both. And he keeps enlarging. So now you know how God does it. It's wild. Like I even today I was <laughs> I was in the kiddie pool because mm. it was so hot. I was cutting the grass afterwards. I'm like, I'm going in. I'm in the pool. <laughs> I'm in the pool with uh with Carter and she's like in and our next door neighbor's kids chilling with us and we're all in the pool and like Carter just sits on my belly and she just looked at me and like she's like you're my bear dad and gives me a big hug and I just was like there was never one moment in my life where I ever felt safe enough to do anything like that yeah. I never had any moment like that except the one yeah. which I probably should have shared but it just, uh, you know, like, it just blows me away that they will. I am so thankful I'm the worst dad they'll ever have. Yeah. They'll never know what it's like to be hated. Like, even even when I discipline, I'm such a suck. Like, I'm like. I'm so, so do you see how much you love them and oh. are, are, like you said, thankful for you that you're their dad? Now we can understand a little bit of why God loves us so much that he's coming to heal the wounded heart yeah because everybody you me Everyone. needed a father remember i said you're gonna have to be my heavenly father and my earthly father because i didn't have one i remember one day i was at a youth camp and uh i was sharing and i said one day we're gonna have to change the altar call mm. and it's gonna be like if you had a great life 
and you had parents who love you yeah. and you still feel alone <laughs> you Come know up. you know because it's like we 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 gear into people like me so much but it's like everybody what is that i have no idea Oh, the TV's giving us advertisements. Thanks. Oh, that's wild. Thanks, Sharp. Yeah. But um, we have no idea how amazing God is. And that that blew me away. I was doing winter camp in Montreal. And um, mm. the pastor gets, the one of the pastor guys gets up. And he's like, guys, I want you to bless Corey. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And these kids, man, like digging in their pockets. Like one kid came up to me and said, "Like, hey, can do you mind like if I give you this Taco Bell gift card? It's missing like three bucks." But like, you know, like <laughs> I just wept as they put all this yeah. money and stuff in my hat. Yeah. You know, like it's been so crazy, and like I have to remember. That's the thing is like we 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 move to these places, but we forget sometimes the steps that get us there. And it's good to remember. It's good to to remember who he is and what he does because. It shows you like the love, like things now mm. look so different than they did in that moment. Again, perception, eh? Yeah, like it's changed so much. Like, like I even like, like I even remember one one time me and Ben went to to pray for um, people who worked in the healing rooms of Brantford. Mm. Um, Sue said, "We have a dinner to bless our team. Would you come pray and prophesy over each one?" And so we're like, yes, we'll do it. We love this. Great. And so we go and we're doing it. And there's this young girl there. And I just remember the Lord was like her. And I like give her this word and she's weeping. And then all of a sudden the Lord's like, she can't like pay her bills. And so I just like reach in and I'm like, you know, God loves you. And he wants to like, and the whole room gets up and gives her money. And like at the end of the meeting, she came up to me and and this is the whole point. Mm. She said, I wasn't supposed to be here. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I'm not part of the team. My mom is. <laughs> she couldn't make it, so she sent me. And it was like, that was so the wedding supper in yeah. real life. Yeah. If I'd ever seen it, go to the highways and the byways yeah. and get anyone who will come. And that's why like, I'm so happy mm. that God is dismantling the hierarchy of our culture because it's them yeah. He he wants them. He it's if if you're in ministry on any level, you have been blessed to love his bride. Yeah, and and not just his bride, everybody. Who's your neighbor? But that's everybody. everybody. The bride for me. It yes, is everybody. I I yeah. I agree with what you're saying. I just yes. I meant like you're blessed to serve others. Yes, you're blessed to do that, and it's and no it's, greater love. It gets hard sometimes, and sometimes we go through seasons where we can't. Yeah, there's lots of people that are that are in seasons where they can't, and God's with you in that moment. He's not frustrated. He's not angry. And if we are, we're sorry. <laughs> yes, but it's like, you know, God is so good, and and that's why I'm so excited at what's happening. Like, hmm. like Shauna and Brian and yeah. his wife and. And then like Larry and Barry and Shakira, like, yeah, and Shakira and Barry Miracle, my grandpa, and all these yeah. people coming forward and talking about God yeah. and impacting people's lives. And I'm I'm sitting here going like, how did we miss the greatest treasure of all? Well, one time I woke up in the kingdom in the morning and I. I experienced the love of the Father hitting me. 
and I was just weeping. <laughs> and I, I said, Father, this is true evangelism. I said, if you allow me to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord so that I can just crack the door just a little tiny bit and they get a glimpse of you for just a moment, it's all done. They'll come. I said, that's what I want to do. I don't want to convince anybody of anything. Just let them see you for a second. Experience that love. And really, I think that's what the journey program is, is that we're cracking the door against, like your whole testimony is showing there are hurting people everywhere. There are people that think that God could never love them because they're a mess. And the truth is, His love goes to the darkest place. Come on. It goes anywhere and everywhere, even to the religious place, because that spirit of religion wants us to work it out because yeah. the God that they reveal isn't a loving God. He's a, uh, a judgmental God and wants you to, he's Santa Claus, basically. And so this, you, you revealed how this love is, is changing you. Yeah, and I love this with Saint John of the Cross when he goes, <clears throat> and you see it in his life in this little poem where he goes, in the inner want. At this point, he's a, a a priest in the in the Catholic Church. And what like time frame is this? Um, fifteen forty two in Spain. Fifteen forty two in 1542. Spain. You want to talk about religion? <laughs> yeah, and he goes. In the inner wine cellar, within himself, he goes, I drank of my beloved, and when I went abroad through this, all this valley, I no longer knew anything, because everything he'd been taught was being shattered. Mm -hmm. This God he thought he knew is being shattered by this beloved father. And he goes, I lost the herd that I was following, because... There's a massive herd following that father of religion in the Western world. Come on. And he goes, there he gave me his breast like a baby at its mother's breast. Isaiah 49, 15. Wow. There he taught me sweet and living knowledge. He is the living word, the living revelation of who he is. That's what it's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and blowing his mind for for where he was yeah and i gave myself to him how can you not give yourself love. to this love that bashes through your barriers and you're standing there totally unworthy and he says you are worthy because i made you worthy you are not this you are this right and he just shatters it and embraces you as you're trying to push him away like a cat you know what i mean <laughs> and he says i kept nothing back yeah. this love you cannot hold anything because it's just it it blows your paradigms there i promised to be his bride i promised i will never abandon this love like this intimate love affair like a husband and a wife he's saying right now i occupy my soul and all my energy in his service i no longer tend the herd 
nor have I any other work now that my every act is love. What happened? He became like Christ. It's about love now. Unconditional love. There's um, a time when I was in Montreal, and we were on the sidewalk, and uh, we're going, we were at the camp, and we got just, like, wrecked by God. And we're like, let's go to town and minister to people on the street. Mm-hmm. So we're going, and nobody's talking to anybody. Yeah. And so finally I said, God, you know what? Like, what do you want me to do? And he said, don't let another one pass you. And this young boy, who's probably about 15 with blonde hair, walks past me. And I said, hey, where are you going? He goes, what? I'm like, come here, man. And, like, who knew he spoke English, living in Le Chute, Quebec, you know? Wow. Le Chute. And yes. uh, that's more Russian than yeah. French. Sounded good, though. Sounded good. Yeah, um, so I stopped him, and I started to talk to him, and the Lord started to show me things about him. And, and like, he looked at me, and he's like, man, this is crazy. And I said, why? He's like, I'm on my way to buy hash right now, man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? I was like, well, God loves you, man. And, and like, he was in my arms hugging me, you know. And... I just, I've had so many encounters like that where, like, people got really touched that I realized they probably weren't encountering me like I thought. Mm. And that's that's where I'm at now is, like, let me be a landing place. Yes. That you. That unconditional love you talked about. Would shine through. Yeah, yeah, like, and no matter what happens to me. You crack the door and let them see the Father. Yeah, like so his, we've got to learn a new thing. You see, we've been trained yeah. like little soldiers to, get to go to out and get them to say this prayer, and it's all good. But that's not what this is about at all. No. It's about can you love them without judgment? Yeah. Can you love them unconditionally and move with the Holy Spirit because he knows what to say and what to do? Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's something. It will transform their lives, right, in that moment. we got to be sensitive. That's really what Learning to Fly was all about. It wasn't even about worship. It was about learning to be completely open and move with the Holy Spirit. I live and move and have my being in Him. It's all about us and Him. It is. Learning to be like Him and move like Him and have our being in Him. It's the dance. It's... Ezekiel's wheels, the wheel within the spirit within the wheel. Mm. That's what all of this is, is union with the master, our beloved. And the thing is, it's like, he's so faithful. Yeah. Look how faithful he was in your life. Oh, look at, look at those, look at those sovereign moments where we don't even know how we're getting there. Oh, by the way. Can Dude, you take my van for me? Like, think back. Think to this morning. Like, this morning I woke up and checked my account, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to figure something out for the weekend, you know? And then yeah. all of a sudden the refund I was supposed to get from a, a transaction that yeah. could take up to 10 days just shows up the exact day I need it to. Like, you can't even write this stuff. Like, like no. And he's so good. Like, I was <laughs> – this is so just temporal and doesn't mean anything – but I wanted a mini bike. I'm, I love driving things that are small and powerful. I just love it. And uh, there's a certain frame I liked. All of a sudden, there's one on Kijiji. I get it for like 200 bucks. Then the the front end's jacked up, so I got to get a new front end. I get it for 200 bucks, and then I ended up do wheeling and dealing, so it covered it. And then um, I had another 200 dollars in it that I didn't have covered, and I was kind of worried about it. 
And all of a sudden, like, my best friend just sends me the 200 bucks for my birthday. And I'm just sitting there, like, in the mm-hmm. basement, like, looking at it. And when it happened, like, it hit me, like, because I was like, like, no way. Like, you can't be this good. Like, <laughs> He's better. You can't, you can't, like, I come to you expecting only what I deserve. And you give me above every time. And yet I still don't get it. Because it's never based. On what I deserve. No. And it's like like I'm looking for provision and you're looking for blessing. It's like if you can if you can get it settled that he loves you. Yes. Your perception can change and your world will change. The day I realized mm. that this was no longer about whether I like the Lord told me, um, it's not whether you perform or not, it's whose blood flows in your veins. That's why I'll provide for you. Mm-hmm. That was 10, 15 years ago. I'm still here. I have rent that's more than I've ever paid. I have bills that I don't even know how to take care of, and all of a sudden, over half of it just show, is going to show up to cover it. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I don't, it's crazy because it's like he just doesn't stop. No. He's like, you don't even understand, Corey. Like, I'm having dreams, like, lately of developments and buildings, and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, like, music stuff. Like, I was, like, Michaela the other night, like, singing on stages, and I'm going, like, it's just crazy. And I'm like, okay, God, like, like, what's happening that I don't even have a clue? Like, It's, again, I think, like, when it said, St. John said, he no longer was following the herd. Mm. It didn't mean that he wasn't a part of that system. No. It meant that he was no longer thinking the way they think anymore, but he was now walking in a whole different state. Come on. Right? Called the tree of life. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about, the fruit of abiding in the tree of life. And God is wanting us to mature till we understand and like brother lawrence used to say um where he learned uh he was always in and recognized when he stepped out not trying to get in and and even that i didn't even think was possible to yeah. a point of origin to a point of origin because how could i st- how could i live in your presence continually mm. if i'm if i'm bad so what if all of these things are all just the state of your own mind and what you believe. There we go. Because did it ever change? Can you escape? David said you cannot escape God. So are we in his manifest presence in the glory now? Yes. Paul sees us inserted in Christ before the foundations of the world. It's all done. Chosen in Always transgressions. Been. Always been. Nothing changed. It's just between your ears. And that's why he says renew your mind. Yes. And this is coming from a guy who went away went away yeah to come back with a message this is why we have good news yeah the gospel is the good news it was so crazy i had to like speak at this thing and i didn't really know how to do it to be honest like i didn't know where to go because i it, it was just different levels of people yeah and um all of a sudden i've made this statement there's two of them the first one was i could come and tell you how much you need to choose jesus and you do mm. Or I can tell you how he chose you. Yeah, much better. And then the second one was God's love is in operation outside of your understanding, leading you to his goodness. 
That's the love of God. Yeah. He's always bringing you into a better place of who he is. Yeah. And the more pain that you've been through, it, it's so it's so crazy. There's this verse that says, if you suffer, you suffer for his namesake. Mm. It's like, if you suffer, well, it doesn't say if you suffered for his namesake. No. It's like the ones who go through suffering will see a part of him differently than anybody else. He who... Uh, how does that go? Um, he who... Is forgiven much, loves much. It's like he said, I didn't come to those that are well. I came to the sick. That meant if you recognize your need, then the door starts to open. Thanks, man, for sharing tonight. That was, that was good. really good, man. That was, I like that. That was really good. All right. Last year. Thanks, guys. Enter into the love of God. 